Chapter 35, Rumors of a Trial. Heather didn't know where to go. Let's find your uncle, Emma said. She's right, Lord Victor said. Your uncle is a wise rabbit, valiant and patient. He's endured this sort of thing for many years. This only made Heather feel worse. He had been treated like this for years. What kind of life was that? A life lived in constant sacrifice for rabbits who distrusted and despised you. What an awful lot. Thinking those words made her remember the room repeating, long troubles, an awful lot. She was sick. Emma came beside her, taking her hand and helping her to stay steady. Pickett, furious and fed up, turned to head back down the corridor to the savory den. Several of Lord Victor's rabbits stood before him, gently restraining him. No, son, Lord Victor said. You'll gain nothing by fighting a rabbit who was in wars before you were born. I'd feel better, Pickett said. You'd feel dead. I don't care anymore, Pickett said. But he slowly relaxed, and the rabbit soldiers stepped back. At a subtle sign from Lord Victor, his rabbits stayed between Pickett and the path toward the savory den, but withdrew and stood apart, talking together. Are you all right, Heather? Lord Victor asked. I'm okay, she said. I just want to go. She was going to say home, but she didn't know where that was. I know, Heather, Emma said. Come to my room for a rest. Help me with her, Shuffler, she said to Pickett. Lord Victor nodded, seeing that Emma had employed Pickett, distracting him from his revenge, and had everything under control. Please, Hayward, Emma said, go and find Wilfred Longtreader and ask him to come to Lord Rake's quarters. My pleasure, Emma, Hayward said. And with a sad glance at Heather, he ran off down the hall. If you will excuse me, Lord Blackstar said, his face weary and sad. I know it feels like the end of everything here, but it's not, not quite yet. Thank you, Lord Victor, Emma said. He nodded, placing his fist over his heart. My place beside you, my blood for yours, till the green ember rises for the end of the world. He left and his soldiers followed. Let's go, Emma said. They helped Heather along for a little while, and soon she was walking on her own. I think I'm fine now, she said. I was like that for weeks when I came here, and my troubles were nothing like yours. You both are very brave, Emma said. Emma, dear, your problems were like ours, are like ours, Heather said. You lost your parents to Mormon. You lost everything. We still have each other, and we have you. Well, we've all got each other, it's true, Emma said, and I'm sticking with you through whatever comes. Till the green ember rises or the end of the world, Pickett said, almost as if to himself. His brows furrowed and his head sagged. They were in Lord Rake's quarters, which were less spacious and grand than they had expected. 
There were three rooms, Emma's, a common room where Lord Rake slept, and a large conference room where, Emma explained, Lord Rake met with the council and others. Emma was fixing tea while Heather and Pickett ate a modest breakfast of bread and cheese since their breakfast had been cut short. It's not Gort's work, but it is technically food, Emma said. It's fine. Thank you so much, Emma, Heather said. Where would we be without you? I just have to run to Mrs. Blake's for some honey. I don't want Shuffler here to go without his much needed sweet stuff, Emma said. Be back in a few minutes. Thank you, Pickett said. Emma left, and the two of them were alone. They could think of nothing to say to each other. Heather had always been the one to pick them up, to encourage when things were gloomy. She didn't have it in her, so she absently chewed her food, giving in for the moment to the slow and insistent despair. After a few minutes, they heard quiet footsteps, and believing it was Emma, they said nothing. But soon they could tell it wasn't their friend. They heard loud male voices, and they were arguing. In the thick stone between rooms, uh, the thick stone between rooms muffled some sound, but the long treaders could tell that Lord Rake was arguing with someone, a few someones, in his conference room. I won't turn them over, Lord Rake was saying. Listen, we have bigger problems than a trial for Wilfred Longtreader right now, Ramnor. Pickett advanced and put a finger over his mouth, motioning for Heather to be silent. Heather frowned, but didn't know what else to say. So this is how Emma stays so informed, she thought. We do. I know, Rake, Lord Ramnor said. But I can barely keep my own citadel together over this issue. Most of my captains want a trial, and other citadels are far worse. I mean, it was all I could do to convince Blackstone's citadel to come at all. They were convinced it was a trap. Ronan doesn't even want to be in the same room with Wilfred, or any long treader. And now these other two are here. It's just too much. We have to unite, Lord Rake said. We can't possibly leave valuable, valiant, entirely committed rabbits out. Or worst of all, put them on trial. But I've spoken to Wilfred. He's agreed to a trial. He thinks it might help clear his name or get us all beyond this issue so we can unite. It's out of the question. I have no great love for Wilfred. This was another voice, raspy and even. Master Helmer, Pickett knew at once. But he's no traitor. He's a fool, to be sure, and an idealistic one at that. But I won't stand by and let him or my apprentice and his sister be put in prison. That'll happen when I am no longer able to lift a sword. It shouldn't come to that, Lord Ramnor said. I hope not, Lord Rake said. So you're training the long trigger lad, Captain Helmer, Lord Ramnor said. That's wonderful, really, just perfect, he said, sounding as if he believed that it was the farthest thing from perfect. It's more complicated than that, Ramnor. Lord Rake said, far more complicated. What do you mean, Lord Ramner said, intrigued. You don't mean he's... I just mean there is no possibility that we will allow Wilfred Longtreader, or those he calls his kin, to be taken away and locked up. It's simply out of the question. Lord Ramner replied without anger. If the citadels are agreed, it doesn't matter what you and the council here decide. We have the power of force, you know. Your guards aren't able to withstand us all. 
I really hope it never comes to that, Lord Rake said. Wow. He sounded exhausted. I can't understand how we have managed to become so divided with such a clear common enemy. King Jupiter wove a piece with the thread of Gart and Longtreader, Helmer said. Now Longtreader's work is unraveling that piece, and he is equally brilliant in this. Garton, Lord Rake said, not Wilfred. Garton Longtreader is at work undoing our piece, not our Wilfred. Of course, Helmer said. Well, I had to try to work out a deal, Lord Ramner said, but I can see it's a non-starter. I'm very sorry about all this. And me too, Lord Rake said. So, Captain Helmer, Lord Ramner said, how is the young Longtreader? I thought you gave up training bird bait years ago. Why him? Does he have all the warlike cunning of a diplomat? He laughed. Pickett's face darkened. There was a longish pause, and Pickett imagined Helmer's face to be made up with scorn. Then he spoke. The lad's a natural thinking fighter. He can do fast, accurate calculations with ease. His mind is incredible, and applying his gifts to war has been, well, a pleasure. He's one of the best students I've ever had. But he's got weaknesses, plenty of them actually, but three primary weaknesses. And they are, Lord Rake said. He's afraid of heights, Elmer said, and Pickett hung his head. And he's paralyzed by fear of any and all birds. It's a crippling lack. But with time, time it appears I don't have, I think we could address these weaknesses. He's learning quickly. If he ever learns to master these, he could become a truly exceptional warrior. What's the third weakness, Captain Helmer? Lord Ramner asked. He believes we can win. Chapter thirty six. A voice in the hall. An hour later, Pickett and Heather were packed into the large hall, along with most of the Cloud Mountain community and many more. Pickett was quiet. Heather hadn't been able to get much out of him since they left Lord Rake's quarters. Uncle Wilfred had come to check on them and stayed on with them since. There were four in their group. Smalls stood on one side, with Heather to his right. Uncle Wilfred stood on the other side, with Pickett on his left. They were near the back. Behind them, as if separate from Cloud Mountain community, stood most of the lords, captains, and soldiers who had come from the secret citadels. Most of them looked angry. They appeared to resent this assembly and were making it clear by standing apart. There was a large gap between the last of the Cloud Mountain Rabbits and the citadel warriors. Heather believed they wished to get this over with and get back to what they thought of as real work. Heather, Small said, I need to ask you something. Anything, Heather said. She had seen little of Smalls over the past week, but every time she had seen him, he looked more tired, more discouraged. She was angry at herself for focusing so much on her own troubles that she had ignored his. 
What can I do for you, friend? We are friends, he said. And I need friends now, as you do. Our Wilfred is not popular around here, and that means neither are we. It's unjust. It's awful. Finding friends has been hard, Smalls went on carefully, she thought. But I've been talking to Kyle lately. Kyle? Heather asked, surprised. Yes, and I see this surprises you. This is why I thought it was important to ask you. Are you and he friends? She thought for a moment, remembering how he stood up to Captain Fry and received a bloody lip for his trouble. Yes, she said. Yes, we are friends. Do you trust him? Smalls asked. That was a harder question, but she wanted to believe that Kyle was trustworthy. She thought he was becoming trustworthy. What finally tipped the scales in Kyle's favor was loyalty. So many were against them, out to do them harm. Kyle had demonstrated that he was a loyal friend. Yes, she said. I do trust him. Small's face tightened and it relaxed. He nodded. Thank you, Heather. Many hard choices lie on that. This made Heather suddenly fearful. She felt a need to qualify her approval of Kyle with a warning, but Lord Rake was coming to the stage. A hush fell over the assembly. She looked behind, and her eyes locked with Captain Fry. He smiled a grim, contemptuous smile. She noticed that many others were watching them as well. They were easy pickings if the lords wanted to take them prisoner. Small seemed aware of this. He subtly eyed all possible exits. My friends, Lord Rake said, his voice booming in the massive hall, fellow heralds of the mended wood, we gather today in a moment of crisis, not our first and not our last. We meet today to conspire against gloom, to say that what we see is not all that can and will be seen. Rabbits began to stir. Heather felt her pulse rising. Uncle Wilfred smiled. Lord Rake continued, his voice strong. We are not what we appear to be, not what we will be, not where we will be. We are heralds of the Mended Wood. We see and speak of that reality while strong rabbits stand prepared to receive and give harm on our behalf. Much of our work here is to support the citadels. We supply food, clothing, and much more to these brave fighting rabbits who stand ready every day to go to war on our behalf. My dear friends, I give you the lords, captains, and soldiers of the secret citadels. As a mass, everyone turned to the back to face them. Then the crowd erupted in wild, exuberant applause and cheers. Those toward the back surged on the visitors. They shook hands, bowed respectfully, and in many ways thanked and paid tribute to the warriors. There was a mingling for nearly five minutes, and then Lord Rake tapped a staff on the floor of the platform. Rabbits began to reform the crowd into something like the shape it had before, but Heather noticed that it was harder to see now where the Cloud Mountain community and the Citadel rabbits were divided. 
She saw that many of the soldiers now wore wreaths of flowers and held other gifts. They seemed pleased but embarrassed. She stood still beside Pickett, and Uncle Wilfred was beside him on the other side. But she couldn't see Smalls. She wondered if he was nearby or if he had simply slipped out. My dear friends, Lord Rake spoke again. I will not keep you long. I ask you to quiet down as much as you can and listen for a moment to one of the Cloud Mountain's most lovely treasures. Maggie Osage. He went to the steps and helped her up. She walked slowly using a cane. When she reached the center of the platform, the room was silent. Heather stood on tiptoes and dodged back and forth to see over the shoulder of the tall, swaying rabbit in front of her. She wanted to see Mrs. Weaver. Hello, my friends and fellow heralds of the Mended Wood. I speak to you today because Lord Rake has asked me to, believing it will serve you to hear my story. I have been here for seven years in this seed of the new world, in this little community of anticipation, in this shadow of the Mended Wood. Though I am not noble-born, or anything more than a commoner at work on her sewing, I have somehow come to be seen as wise. Some of you have come to me for advice, and I have given you the best I could. This puzzles me still, but I have come to a kind of acceptance of it. I am so honored to have a place among you and to serve you however I can, whether by sewing or by sayings. You find me on the mossy porch, looking into the mist, beyond which lies the ruins of the great wood. Why? Am I insane? Many have asked, but few have received an answer. Now, I will tell you. When our king was betrayed and murdered, my husband, Mr. Edward Weaver, was taken prisoner in the after-terrors. He gave himself so that I could get away. I honored his sacrifice, just did just as he said, and escaped. Almost every day I am thankful to him, but also regretful that I did not stay with him to the end. But that is not important now. Mr. Weaver was a good husband, a fine weaver, and a rabbit deeply loyal to the fallen king. I do not know if he is alive or here she stopped and looked down. The hall was silent. She coughed and then went on. Though I sometimes hope he is alive, other times I hope that he has been spared the terrors of captivity by those monsters of the sky. One of the worst things about this world is that we so often don't even know which terrible thing to hope for. I know you mean well when you honor me with the title of Maggie Osage, but this is why I insist on Maggie Weaver. That is who I am. Mr. Weaver is my other half. If he is gone, then I am half dead. So while you mean well, it's 
disrespectful to Mr. Weaver to give me another name, and I won't allow it. I am Maggie Weaver, and I never will be anything else. I stand on the porch, overlooking the great wood, believing that perhaps one day the mist will clear and Edward will be there. The mended wood is not a place to me only. It is him. It is all, it is all our loved ones, as they are or in the place they longed for and loved. I am anything but a general, though as a girl my mother did call me a general nuisance. But I shall be so bold as to marshal you to action, to call on your best efforts, to command you, dare I say, to be vigilant and faithful and united in the cause of King Jupiter. Cheers filled the hall, but Mrs. Weaver did not move. She only bowed her head. In a few moments, she raised her hand and silence resumed. She went on. I call on you to be faithful to King Jupiter and to be faithful to his true heir. The hall erupted in a shout, almost unified, of yes. We must stay together, she said. Yes, they shouted again, this time together. We must end senseless division, she said. The hall shouted yes, Heather shouted with all her breath noticing that loud calls of yes were pouring out from behind her as well. We must come together to fight our common foe in our art, in our arms, with our farms and our hearts. Yes, the booming reply came again. Then silence descended like a blanket, though the energy in the hall was bubbling beneath a shallow surface of respectful quiet. Mrs. Weaver said, let us be who we truly are, friends. When the green ember rises, and may it happen soon, let us live so that when the mended wood comes, we will not be strangers to its charms. She bowed her head and moved slowly to the side of the platform. After she took a few steps, the crowd erupted in fresh, deafening cheers. These lasted for as long as it took her to leave the stage and disappear again into the crowd. Then three rabbits came on stage, one with a lute, another with a tin whistle, and the last with no instrument standing between the others. Her hands were folded together behind her back, and she closed her eyes as her fellows began to play. The crowd quieted again. The music was lovely, but sad. It was a lament but with joy enough to break your heart. Heather was stirred even before the rabbit in the middle began to, sting, began to sing. When she did, Heather could not hold back her tears. The skies once so blue and beautiful are littered with crass, cruel foes. Their bleak black wings beat a dreadful beat over sorrowful songs of woe. Songs of suffering and cruel murders, all lament and never a voice, raised in grateful gladness to the heights, never reason to rejoice. But 
it will not be so in the mended wood. We'll be free and glad again. It will not be so in the mended wood when the air of Jupiter reigns. <laughs>